Welcome, one and all, as Fantastic Geek takes a voyage to the Mushroom Kingdom. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello there, Pete. It's a me. The pop culture podcast by Fantastic Geek takes a look at the Super Mario Brothers movie. Indeed, Pete, a delightful jaunt. And before we fully dive on in, just want to hit a couple of things around the old horn here. Uh, yesterday, we were talking Picard episode 308. It was, of course, Star Trek Sunday. Day before that, Mandalorian episode 306, it being Star Wars Saturday. And uh, double Star Wars this week since tomorrow here on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. We will be talking about uh, all the news from Star Wars Celebration this past weekend in the United Kingdom. The strange fourth day here monday april 10th just having completed in london the closing ceremonies matt i'm not making that up they actually had closing ceremonies for star wars celebration europe uh but we'll be bringing you all four days worth of news in what will help to launch our ahsoka feed uh coming soon indeed pete exciting future and an exciting shockingly exciting weekend extended weekend at the box office for the super mario brothers movie uh i believe estimates initially were across the uh the five days in a wednesday release uh which of course includes to some degree tuesday night stuff but i digress uh the estimate was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 135 for the five days uh instead in these united states 204.6 million dollars Another 173 internationally, bringing the total after just these handful of days to $377 million. Uh, given that the release straddled some schools being closed last week and most schools being closed for Good Friday and some schools still being closed this week. It's, it's kind of like every day is almost a Saturday when it comes to box office uh, prognostication. So my bet would be certainly by midweek. This has passed the $400 million mark uh, for total take, which definitely exceeds the hopes and dreams of Universal Pictures and Illumination. Yeah, I think there's not a person that would agree that this was a super successful launch for uh, Nintendo as far as film when we're talking about you know, how they've held back for so long. Do we do the animated route? Do we try to again go the live action route like they did in 1993? Here, Matt, they've erased all of our bad memories. Bad memories, indeed. I absolutely saw the live action 1993 movie in movie theaters um probably it was opening weekend i think that was a memorial day weekend um i remember going with my mother and my brother and even as a 13 year old sitting there going this is a bad movie like that sinking feeling pete the same the same young me that thought howard the duck was perhaps the greatest film ever made and you know things of that sort that the stink was evident even then so to have it contrasted by what what I would argue is a perfect Super Mario Brothers movie. That's not to say it is the most perfect movie ever. This is not 
E.T. This is not, you know, The Little Mermaid or anything like that. But in terms of doing what it needed to do to take us to the universe that is encapsulated by generations of games and and a vista of settings and uh, a panoply of characters, I mean, mission accomplished, this movie does it. And immediately catapulting atop the list of the most successful video game adaptations of all time. Not surprising, there had been sequel discussion prior to the film and certainly teased throughout with the opportunities. And now, really, all right, does the Donkey Kong movie that's been bandied about happen? Do they dip their toe into the Legend of Zelda? Do they simultaneously do both an animated and a live action route? Um, you know, for my money, and it, it's why I'm a Nintendo only guy, uh, you know, they've always had the market cornered on character. And now that this foray, into film has been as successful as it, as it has been. And listen, they've been approached for years and years and years and years. It was about getting it right. And, you know, with illumination here uh, to do this and to do it as pitch perfectly, the tone, everything else, despite the complaints, Matt, they changed peach. I mean, Look, as somebody who has played most of the Mario games throughout the ages from being, I don't know, seven or eight and going over my six, seven, eight, going over first my cousin's house that had uh, Nintendo and then my friend Dominic down the street and so forth, For, you know, from that earliest, which not literally the earliest incarnation, of course, obviously Mario in the Donkey Kong game and Jumpman and prior to the name Mario and all that, but to, to have been through all these stories, I feel like, particularly more recently in the games, you know, they kind of, they do a somewhat hazy straddling, but they do a straddling of an empowered Peach who still needs rescuing because that's the basic conceit. Um, Pete, I think of Peach in the Mario Kart games, you know, where she's a playable character who can race just along everybody else, uh, along with everybody else. Um, I mean, I feel like that the amalgam of who these characters are, who these settings are and so forth, including Peach, I feel like this movie speaks to that amalgam. Fine, it's not the princess, presumably in every castle until the last castle from the very first game. But, I mean, it's 2023. Are you really going to have just an actionless, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed princess character who has been stolen by the bad guy and can't, can't take any actions on her own? Of course not. It's not acceptable. And it's also not where the character, again, it's not where the amalgam of the character has been for several years at this point. Uh, Princess Peach has been a playable character since 1988's Super Mario Brothers 2. Okay. Uh, she and for my money, the best character in Super Mario 2. She can exactly the the ability to float. I mean, able to get to all sorts of places that you cannot as the other characters. OK, for people to complain that they took away the damsel in distress. Matt, all I have to say to them is their princess is in another castle. <laughs> Indeed. Um, 
pitch perfect casting here. I know, look, we all, myself included, we all called into question, why does, you know, the seemingly everywhere, dopely beloved Chris Pratt, how how is he Mario? He did a good job with the, you know, we kind of have the faux Mario voice in the very beginning in terms of the, the, the you know, it opens with a fake commercial where he's really kind of, you know, he's doing the traditional voice and then comes down a little bit into the upper natural register of Chris Pratt. Um, still a little bit of the Brooklyn accent, but look, for, for as much as we all have a certain vision of, you know, the, the, the one guy who has done the voice for Nintendo for 30 plus years and uh, so forth. 67 years young Charles Martinet, who, who is in the film. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like we all raise an eyebrow at, at Pratt. I, I think they, they Mario it up in just the right way. Um, and this Pratt- is a character that needs to, speak for most of the movie that's kind of the that's where the light bulb went off when he did when pratt moved into mario's normal speaking voice um which again is not full-on chris pratt it's the you know a slightly more falsetto version but that's when it was like oh right this is a 90 minute movie where mario needs to talk and we kind of can't always do this i mean if, if it was that for 90 minutes it would have been it would have been too much they made the right call with him. I mean, every character is perfectly cast. Um, I would argue anyone, essentially, a- any male actor in Hollywood could have voiced Mario here when he's when he's not doing the lines. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy absolutely crushes it as Princess Peach. Uh, you just love... Jack Black and the ability to bring in the the musical side there. I mean, the Peaches song is, you know, hysterical. Uh, Charlie Day, just perfectly capturing the the you know pathos of Luigi of of the lesser brother, and obviously, you know, it, it's called Super Mario Brothers. Um, yeah, for me, he was uh, really key. Um, Keegan Michael Key as Toad. I, I have to confess, I didn't. Uh, on the outset, I did not peg Keegan Michael Key that 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 was his voice. But I think that's because he's doing a little bit more of a you know a cutesy wootsy voice there. You know, no no concerns there. Um, it's a perfectly great job done by Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. It's a choice to kind of have him do the Seth Rogen laugh at one point. I don't know that that would have been my choice if I was directing this movie. However, it got a chuckle out of most of the adults in the theater that we were in. So if you were going for a funny in a movie that's not meant to be holding up a mirror to the dark, uh, you know, plight of existence and so forth, it's meant to be positive and, and so forth. It worked. It, it was it was a funny gag for as long as it lasts. Uh, last, uh, and and thumbs up. Once they'd made the decision about, all right, we're going to go animated. This is going to be the tone. It's really about checking the appropriate boxes for this property. And and what do they do? They bring in the Mario Kart 
subplot. They give you the rainbow road. They do the blue shell, all those things, you know, uh, on top of the platform nature, you know, the practicing of that, the learning how to take the fire from the flower and, and to give them the different suits and, and stuff like that. Um, to capture this feel. I mean, I go back to in, intense uh, play of Super Mario Brothers, you know, got it for Christmas in 1985. I would sit there, I'd throw on my uh, Walkman, listen to Beastie Boys and, and play that. And I could finish all eight levels, uh, you know, before the album ended and just do that again and again and again and again um so yeah from a a long time player and fan of this franchise and and matt you know having recently got into uh super mario brothers uh odyssey super mario odyssey on the nintendo switch like you know they bring it from all the eras they do and the key here, um, the, you know, the production credit to Shigeru Miyamoto, who's, you know, seminal with Mario all the way back to, to the earliest uh, conception here. Nintendo has been so famously gun shy after the <laughs> full on unmitigated disaster that was Super Mario Brothers, which is to say the 1993 live action movie cost $50 million distributed and marketed Pete by Hollywood pictures, which was a label for Disney. So while not made as a Disney movie released with all that machinery, there, $50 million movie that costs $40 million that pardon me, that made $40 million. So just an unmitigated bomb. And for Nintendo to kind of go through its own reflective process, a with, adapting older games to the virtual console and so forth and realizing that there really is a market and a love for that. And there's also the ability for any player right now, including mm -hmm. younger players to go back through all of those and to experience all of those. And then the interaction that Nintendo had with um, the universal parks division for the super Mario land, uh, pardon me, super Mario world, um, additions to to some of the parks some of the universal uh, studios parks kind of realizing this is a partner we can trust and this is a yeah. partner we can partner with not a partner that's going to be like yeah, yeah yeah whatever but what if what if mario and luigi were in a rock band and what if you know peach was a heroin addict and like no 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 it's a partner that will a keep you in the room and b understand what this is and what this is not and figure out what that means for the best possible super mario brothers movie there's been a, a lot spoken and written about that 1993 film, particularly recently, just in terms of the difficulties. And it's so bizarre, Matt, like it was bizarre. Then it remains bizarre now. Like what was Dennis Hopper thinking? <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Koopas with the dinosaur bodies and the tiny little heads and everything like just questionable design stuff and changing scripts, you know, nights before shoots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, 
you know, where that is just the strangest slog ever. This is just an easy joy and the amount of references and Easter eggs. You mentioned Jumpman before, which I know you pointed out during the film. Hey, look, look, it says Jumpman on the on the Donkey Kong console there when they returned to Brooklyn. Uh, you know, for me, it was a F-Zero poster in uh, uh, Mario or Luigi's room, like, you know, just those types of cuts. Um, and then maybe the funniest bit of the film, the nihilist Luma in the, uh, you know, prison scenes. Now, conversely to all of that, you know, I did see an article uh, online that was, this wasn't the exact title, but the title was akin to like, hey, olds, how you can understand, you know, or the only way to understand the Super Mario Brothers movie is by understanding all the deep cuts. And I would argue, no, there's a pretty, or first of all, the the saturation of Mario and by extension Luigi and all these other characters, the saturation is pretty through the roof. I know there was some stat in the late 80s or early 90s where, not a joke here, not a Beatles reference here, where Mario, globally, Mario was more recognizable than Jesus and Coca-Cola. Um, but but again, if you're just plunking this in front of somebody who does not, I don't know, understand the multiple appearances of uh, of Toad or does not um, know that the Koopa Sorcerer's name is Kamek and things of that sort, this is nonetheless a very, I would argue in the best sense of the word, a very straightforward movie in terms of Mario and Luigi are in their real world, their, you know, their port for, for our world, where... They're then plucked through to this other place, which is magical and fantastic and so forth. And they're on a mission to, you know, help rescue the princess and all of that and meet friends along the way who they sometimes need to battle and turn enemies into friends. And it's kind of your standard hero's journey in a very accessible way. Um, and I don't think I don't think there's any challenge to it in terms of like, oh, we didn't take the time to explain how Super Mario Karts work. Uh, no, we did. They had a whole thing where they you know, customize the cart. If you want to say, oh, that's just a shame-faced thing to sell Super Mario Kart games. Um, or it's just explaining why they're not all going in the fleet of the same tanks, how everything is different. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's fun for the sake of fun. This really is not a movie that's concerned with, at least not directly, it's not concerned with the t-shirt, the action figure, and the tie-in game. You're meant to walk away saying, wow, Super Mario Brothers is great, and if you're if along the way, you're like, I'd like to get more of that. Well, Nintendo's like, well, we have one active console that also has the entire back catalog on it. Come on in. Right. And I mean, it's not as if they geared a release of games just for this. You know, they were very intentional. So Nintendo's really set the market in terms of video game promotion to the point where you know, now all of the other, um, you know, game platforms have aped this. Nintendo does their Nintendo Directs and they'll give you, you know, uh, 45 minutes, whatever it is of essentially pre-canned commercial stuff. And, hey, this is coming out and this is when this will be on sale. And, you know, here's some gameplay and yada, yada, yada. Um, they did those for the film and they took great pains to say no 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 we will not be announcing a mario game at this this will just be about the film 
So if anything, they were super clear about, you know, what this was in branching into the entertainment side from the gaming aspect. You know, we forget that Nintendo has been a company, they've been around the block, Matt. They've only been at this since the 1800s. Um, yeah, with that. And the reason they've been around since the 1800s is, I think, that that very uniquely Nintendo mix of when to keep what works and when to move on from it and so forth, uh, while not entirely losing sight of your history either. Um, and as you said, Pete, Look, any other, I mean, look, what's the, what's the, what's the hit all quadrants movie archetype? It's Star Wars, right? And what is part and parcel with the success of the original Star Wars film? It's the tie-in, specifically the toys. Um, For Nintendo to go in the opposite direction and just say, whatever our console development life cycle is, whatever our game development life cycle is, uh, those are both difficult things, and those are not going to be interrupted by the fact that for a for a brief four year period, uh, we you know we worked on various phases of this movie along with the Universal and Illumination and all of that. Like for Nintendo to say there's too many moving parts to make a successful movie and tie in a bunch of stuff. So Mario remains eternal. Uh, we'll catch you on the next time with the game. And if it's, is the next game on a new console? Is it on the switch? Is it on, is it a throwback? Whatever it is, those two need not cross make, make the task in front of you a great thing. Um, Which again, I feel like is a very Nintendo aesthetic that, that has breathed life into this movie. And I think it's all the more apparent in that. What's the other property they, reached into heavily donkey kong the you know first appearance of jump man mario the one that's heavily rumored to be next and what do they do they they give you both the you know origin okay with that game they give you the character they reach into donkey kong country the the jungle kingdom with cranky kong and you know you got diddy and dixie and they gave you the dk rap song and everything there like you can do both you you can do both tastefully and it came off in a completely innocuous non-cloying way well pete turning an eye a bit toward the future i do think you know, on the one hand, does this launch a Mario cinematic universe? I'm sure there are people at uh, Universal and at Illumination pitching that nay this morning. Um, Again, I feel like probably Nintendo's response is, no, 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 let's just focus on what is the next big thing. We don't need to immediately dive into, and we're announcing Mario Bros. 2 through 5 cinematic uh, releases plus the peacock only animation this and the sony like again one task at one time i know that um jack black has been out there saying you know i've done animation before kung fu panda he says the kung fu panda movies have a different villain every time maybe bowser doesn't even come back (laughs) jack black then says Maybe Bowser could be rehabilitated and help against a much larger threat. Jack Black pitching that that larger threat could be Wario. 
and Jack Black further proposing that it uh, be voiced by Pedro Pascal. So I'm ready to sign up for that movie right now with the entire returning cast, plus, you know, a reformed Bowser, uh, plus Pedro Pascal. I mean, that's, to me, that makes a ton of sense. Oh, I would completely watch the heck out of that. And and he'd be the guy to pull in for that right now. Uh the choice of the post credit scene, given that we saw Yoshi's a little earlier, and then to give us the egg and hear the sound effect was a little unusual. I mean, we're sitting there in the theater like, all right, are they going to give us a Zelda nod? Would they go to something else? I mean, you've, you've got the Zelda Tears of the Kingdom game coming in May. Uh, I think they rightfully held off from that let that game be its own thing you can hit zelda down the road i mean that's been rumored for years and years and years would it be a series on netflix would it be a live action movie whatever it might be there's definitely um you know an appetite for that for my money matt the one i really want to see and the one i think could really be well done is metroid it it, it will it be will very be telling to see where they take things I, I would almost argue if you want to do metroid if you want to do legend of zelda maybe that's the next super mario brothers adventure which i know is you know those don't cross in the games but maybe it's oh no we all now need to go to another kingdom or we need to bring in another character and so forth i i feel in my heart of hearts that's going to be the instinct from nintendo which is to just not stray too far from this success uh, if only because they don't want to have another failure and then be like, all right, everybody in the boardroom for Nintendo, uh, we're going to try again in 30 years. And that means all we old men will be gone from this earth, you know? So I, again, I think, I think to keep it a little bit closer to home than not, certainly we'll see. I do want to get a prediction on the record, Pete. I know that Peach, her, her origin uh, as the only human in the Mushroom Kingdom, which is something I've never ever thought about before that that's a bit of an incongruity it is suggested in the film you know so in the film she's been mysteriously transported to the mushroom kingdom taken in becomes their princess etc um by implication she comes from mario's earth and so forth i'd like to throw out that maybe she is related to princess zelda herself and that could be an inroad in a future film to oh you thought she was from earth no it's from this other place uh and adventure ensues from there that's not bad i thought the way in which she described it and we look up at the stars there that there would be a super mario galaxy connection i was wondering if that might be how they were going to tag the film um we did not get rosalina in this film we got the luma um i loved too and matt has the context on this now that they brought in uh pauline who's not new i mean she's the original uh damsel in distress from donkey kong but she's the mayor in super mario odyssey of new donk city i think that all of these options being options for the future I think if nothing else, it's a reminder at, like to sit and say, well, no, actually now, now Pauline is going to be a Super Mario 
uh, movie franchise character versus this versus that. Um, let's not forget too, Pete, just a little bit of context here. The money that Nintendo will make from this movie, um, which is to say it's, it's budgeted at a hundred million dollars. Let's say it's made 400 by midweek. You know, it's with marketing, you need to cross $200 million to start to make the money. So fine to make money. Fine, it's made $200 million profits. Uh, so far, you need to spread that out amongst your stars. It's you get a share with Universal and Nintendo. Like, nobody's making a ton of movie, a ton of money off this movie. Nintendo also has an incredibly, like, Nintendo will make billions of dollars this year off Nintendo stuff. So there's a little bit of that perspective, too, and I, which I think is, again, slowing down the instinct of, let's just market the heck out of this and get it every which way. Like Nintendo already has that covered across their core skill set, um, which again, hopefully just feeds the quality of whatever is to come next. I don't think they're struggling. And, uh, you know, as the trades are going over this mammoth weekend, uh, this, the speculation and the schedule and the new plans will all come out in due time. Well, Pete, continuing us on our journey across the many story universes are those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. And our thanks to them as our voyage continues. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. It takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating or review, which helps us just as much to any of our 33, soon to be 34 podcast feeds. And let's certainly keep the conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,832 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well, but wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we're back tomorrow to talk Star Wars Celebration and then continuing the adventure as we head into Star Wars Saturday and Star Trek Sunday. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.